Welcome to the St Albans podcast, bringing you news, views and reviews for the city and district of St Albans. In association with the Hearts Advertiser. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans podcast with me, Danny Smith. On this show, this time, we have our very own health correspondent, Alan Bellinger, giving us the latest on what's happening uh, health-wise in the local area. But before that, we have Matt and Laura from the Hearts Advertiser. Hello. Hello. So uh, where are we starting this time? Well, first of all, we've got MP Daisy Cooper accusing the Tories of deflecting the ongoing party gate row with the future funding of the BBC. It does seem to be something of a one of those sort of deflective stories, doesn't it? So, uh, you know, what can we what can we bring out in the news to stop people talking about uh, Partygate? Oh, let's let's uh, threaten the BBC. The BBC. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a beloved in, national institution. We've got Culture Secretary Nadine Doris um in a tweet on Sunday, she said that the license fee um announcement will be, will be the, the last. last yeah so she's basically um said that they're going to freeze the cost of the tv license for two years but the implication being i think is that um they won't be a license fee in the future yes yeah. so, so they only ha- so there's a royal charter isn't there which yeah. is in place until 2027 2024 i believe your article says 2027 does it? Yeah, but the actual, oh yes, it does. Sorry, but, but it's, the rate it's, yeah, has the been rate, frozen yeah. until twenty twenty four. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah, and then I think after that yeah. they've said it can go up with the cost of incl- inflation after twenty twenty four, but only until twenty twenty seven. And it would seem that the government are saying, and then that's it for the way the BBC is currently funded. Yeah, but she was saying that. Sorry, you know, go on. You know, they're always saying this. They're always threatening the beeb. It is unbelievable, though, that nowadays people actually do go to prison and get or get sent to court over it when it's 159 quid or whatever it is. Yeah, it's changed, though, hasn't it? It's not. I don't think it. It's considered a criminal offence not to have a TV license anymore because it used to come up in our court results and stuff, and now I think it's a civil offence. Uh, yeah, as I understand it, I don't think anybody goes to prison for it, but you do. Well, technically they don't, but you do get a fine. And if you don't pay the fine, you can go to prison for, for failure to pay a fine, as yeah. you can with any mm-hmm. fine issued by the court. But, but no, the punishment is, is, a, yeah, is a fine. Um, but do, do you know what? I mean, I, I kind of think personally that the BBC is an easy target for the government. And the, B, and the BBC have embarrassed the government you know, many times over. Lots of stories that have broken and the BBC have been either directly or indirectly like part of bringing it to light you know the yeah so how bad is that to you know it's it's the woman saying like you know we're we're unhappy with you know our failings being highlighted so we're going to attack the institution that yeah you know, publicizing it. it's like but a lot of people think the bbc is just tory tv anyway well, yeah, but it's my not. friends are like, oh, not. I can't watch BBC. No, I mean, uh, if see that, see the Tories have made lots of formal complaints about the BBC being biased against them, and the Labour Party have also made lots of biased complaints about them being biased it's against like the Labour Party. It's like working at the Hearts. It is just like her. It, yeah, because the, both the Lib Dems and, and the Tories are always accusing us of favouring one side or the other. Yeah, but it's this. You know, the situation would be if St Albans District Council then threatened to close us down. So, what do we think? Do we think this is a good distraction from Party Gate? No. I don't think I think it's 
it's certainly not taking the heat off Boris. I don't think I'm, be- I'm, a, I'm a very cynical person by nature, but I don't think I'm being in the least bit cynical to say that they've only done this this week mm. to try to take some of the heat off of the whole Partygate yeah, scandal. It's just made it worse, I think. Yeah. People are, people are saying, well, you've only done this for that reason. And then, you know, then ticking further. Yeah. I mean, I do think at the same time that there needs to be a review of the BBC. I don't think there's any harm in that whatsoever, reviewing what they do, what they spend their money on, what their what their goals are for the next 10 years and things like that. But if you take away what how it currently fun, how it currently is set up and you make it commercial, you lose what it is. Yeah. It's a totally different beast. Yeah. Because it's chasing ratings then. Yeah, and it's the envy of the world. You know, the, this institution that's been been there for what, well over years, 100 years. No, 100 years this year. Is it 100 years this centenary, year? Centenary, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it's the envy of the world. And it's, mm. you know, the, the destroy it at your peril. Mm. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's, so that's that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, the debate. maybe they should look at how it's funded you know maybe they should look at whether or not the license fee is the best way of doing it whether they should but how else would you do it you know a subscription model well th- there are different ways but mm. uh, all i'm saying is i don't think there's anything wrong in exploring it i think it's dangerous when a government is just threatening to eff- effectively get rid of it yeah you know that some would say they're they're already privatizing the nhs now they want to sort of effectively privatize the bbc um by by making it sort of uh, you know another commercial channel it becomes another itv and we've already got one of those and look how bad that is Mm. (laughs) (laughs) do you ever watch itv yeah i imagine nothing but i love itv do you yeah you appear on it fairly frequently don't you yeah that's true yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. she's not going to bite the hand that feeds the face is she Anyway, uh, so, so, so yeah, so local MP Daisy Cooper is, is very much uh, calling this out as just a bit of distraction news, yeah? yeah? Yeah, she said, you know, the BBC's strength lies in its universal availability, its independence, and its reputation as a go-to source for accurate and reliable information. Mm. So for the government to do this is, you know, is all about them trying to save Boris Johnson from... Did, did you see um, the, the sort of the right wing broadcasters, Julia Hartley Brewer? She put out a tweet the other day with with all the different logos of all the different services from the BBC, with crosses through most of them, and there were four that didn't have. And she goes, "I only use these four services, so why am I paying for all of it?" And the amount of abuse she got on Twitter afterwards of doing that, people put things like, I "Only drive on six roads. Why am I paying for all of them <laughs> in my taxes?" You know, I've I've only ever used the NHS once in the last eight mm-hmm. years. Why am I paying for all of it? You know, and brilliant. You know, with so many things in life we don't get to choose you know if we believe in the service we pay for it and and even if we don't use all of it that's you know that's life yeah yeah but anyway i'm sure this will rage on um yeah but uh, but I, I guess unless there's some sort of change of government at some point the bbc's days are truly numbered at the moment yeah it seemed that way yeah anyway okay we'll have more from laura and matt in a moment Time to welcome back to the St. Albans podcast, our very own health correspondent, Alan Bellinger. Hello, Alan. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to, to you. Happy New Year, listener, as well. As, uh, we're delighted to be back with you and, um, and, and with Danny. We've got an interesting evening this evening. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about the brain and what the brain does while we're asleep. That's oh, my a, word. So that's an interesting one. I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> You'd be surprised. It, yeah, it could be getting up to all sorts of stuff yeah. behind my back. <laughs> Just like ducks. Yeah. Um, one eye open. So... Um, we're going to talk about the COVID restrictions going forward, but we're going to start off with a just a review of the Omicron variant and, and what it's been up to since um, since we were together last, just before Christmas. So uh, let's remind ourselves that there've been there've been three major variants. The first was that Alpha one that started in Kent, 
That was followed by the Beta, which started in, in South Africa, and then the Delta, which was from India. And, and really, for most of 21, the Delta variant was, was prevalent everywhere. Um, and we've, we've said this before, but each variant seems to be more contagious than the previous one, but tends to be less serious. Um, and it's, it's as the virus mutates, that's uh, the sort of d- direction that it goes. And certainly the Omicron virus is the most contagious yet. It's, uh, it's, it's virtually 100% in Omicron now is with everyone in the UK. And it's so contagious, people on the television could have it and you could catch it just from watching it. I mean, <laughs> that, that's a joke, by the way. But, but, but it does seem it is highly contagious, doesn't it? It, it? really is. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 the, the probability of, of catching it, particularly if you're not vaccinated, is incredibly high. Yeah. So um, with all these variants, the, the highest level of daily cases that we saw in St Albans was in January last year when the level was 770 per 100,000. With Omicron, our peak was on December the 22nd, so just before Christmas was the peak. And then it was 1,804 people per 100,000. Wow. That just, I mean, that is, that's double. That's more than double, isn't it? More than double that previous peak. Right. Incredible. So the week of recording this, where are we now? So this, we're recording this on the 19th of, of January. So, uh, so I don't know what the, the latest figures are that you've got. Yeah, the, la- the latest figure is that St Albans has dropped to 813 per 100,000. So that's, that's dropped. So from... Well, that's a thousand lower th- pretty much a, than, a it, thousand, than it was a, a few weeks before. A thousand off what it was just three, three weeks ago, three, mm. three to four weeks ago. Um, and it's almost a thousand below the peak that we that we saw in, in December the twenty second. Yeah. Um, and the good news is we you know, we reported the last couple of, of sessions that St Albans was the highest in in Hertfordshire. Well, we're no longer the the highest. We've actually dropped below the average because as, as St Albans, as I said, is is eight one three. Um, the Hertfordshire av- average. Uh, is, is uh, much higher than that, and, and Watford is over 1,200. So if you imagine we're, we're just over 800, Watford, Watford's 1,200 per 100,000. Hartsmere, a Potter's Bar area, mm. Radlett, is 1,100, and Stevenage is, is just below, it's just over 900. Uh, now, th- th- these so these are the th- these are the number of, of cases. This is this is how many people in it locally have. COVID yes. has tested positive. How much do you think the figures now, though, are going to be impacted and we're going to see a fall-off that is as a result of people not being honest? Because the, the way it's done has now changed, hasn't it? And, and you, you, know, you, you are no longer required to go and have a PCR test unless you've got symptoms. Yep. How many people do you think might well be thinking to themselves, well, I feel fine, I'm not going to stay at home for a week, so I'm just going to ignore what that test says? Because you, it's self-reporting, so you can say, oh, it's negative. If you if you even go onto the website and report it at all that you took it, so mm. do you think that's going to have play a part in the decline in numbers that we're seeing? It it certainly puts a risk factor on the number. Um, so, but but are there other indicators that perhaps are more reliable than that number now? Because I I think that number might become more and more unreliable because I think we're going to see a big fall off because people are thinking. I'm not going to stay at home. I'm not going to isolate. I feel fine, so I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Um, but but 
hospitalizations do you, that that that's a more reliable i guess well, hospitalizations is a is, is a dead right figure isn't it so, yeah yeah so so at our peak in in, in hospitalizations um the local hospitals average to average 400 people um, in in hospital uh, right now the average is about 70 so that's looking at both lister and um and watford um, they're averaging around about around about 70 people in in hospital so so still still high um but significantly significantly below the peak and and by far the majority of people in hospital with covid uh were not fully vaccinated so there's a there's a huge message there okay i'm quite fascinated by the fact as well about the speed with which omicron has spread compared to the delta variant and how long well, tell us about the, how long it took for the Delta variant to reach its peak and then how long Omicron took. Yeah, the Delta, the Delta variant took six weeks to, to reach its peak. The Omicron took, did just three. And so if you, look at, if you think of a graph of, of that, um, the Omicron variant is much more flattened, whereas the, sorry, the Delta variant is much more flattened, whereas the Omicron variant is much more of a spike. And, and that really explains why there's so many more people having it than there was on the Delta because it's just over that shorter period of time. Mm. And and has it been borne out at all, the, the, the notion that was being sort of speculated on before Christmas that, that this was far less serious, so therefore it wasn't going to have the same, it, it might not have the same impact. I mean, it is, it's like the hospitalisation rates the and hospitalization the death rates, rate does that seem to low. show that? Is, yes. The other thing that's fascinating is that the length of time that people have COVID now with Omicron is much less. So with Delta, you had you typically had it for 10 days. With Omicron, you only have it for about five days. Mm. And that's the reason that the, um, that the isolation period has been reduced, because it, it just doesn't last mm. as long. Over, over the, the, the time since we last met, Alan, the number of people I know that have... have tested positive is, is is phenomenal it's almost everyone i know has tested positive at some point i haven't mm. I, I i feel like i'm missing out i'm not at the party but everyone else seems to have most people had no symptoms at all and those that did a bit of a runny nose i was you know very mild cold like symptoms yep. now i don't know whether my cross-section of of contacts is just very fortunate or whether that is a reflection of how it's been but it just seemed quite i was very thankful for the fact that nobody had any serious symptoms and, and in fact, some had no symptoms at all. Mm. And, and that is the, the the typical reaction to Omicron, that it's, it is significantly less serious. The piece that is not known yet is is what is the probability of someone that has Omicron having long COVID? Okay. Because obviously we've, we've only just gone through the peak and just coming down. but <clears throat> So we need to wait about four, four to six weeks before we see if there's an impact on long, long COVID. But that, that's the piece that's unknown at the moment. Okay. Um, so, uh, what's, um, so what does this mean for us sort of going forward? Yeah, so you've got, to, you've got to say, where are we now and what's it, what's it likely to be? Um, and, and I've published on the, put on the article, a very interesting um, article that shows that, um, that yeah, there is a high probability... <clears> that um, Omicron will be the last variant of concern. There'll be further variants, but they won't necessarily be of concern, like like Alpha and, and Beta and, and Omicron. 
And so that really means that from the spring of this year, there's a high probability that things are going to return to normal, um, or some sort of new normal at least. Um, And and here's here's the the interesting point. Um, We are going to have to live with COVID going forward. There was this... We, we, we talked about this in a previous um, in previous podcasts, but mm. the, the point is now because we have so many people vaccinated, because the there has been a high instance of of uh, COVID and therefore people have built up the the antibodies, we can now go for a strategy that says live with COVID going forward rather than uh, ra- rather than avoid it. If you think of what's what happened in, um, in in Australia recently, where where Novak Djokovic um, wasn't allowed in, the strategy in Australia, because the people aren't vaccinated to anything like the same level that we are, is still to contain it rather than to live with it. Yes, yeah, so, so, so countries like there and New Zealand, where they were they were just trying to trying to completely obliterate COVID. They didn't want it. Uh, trying to avoid it completely yeah. by not letting people in. Yeah. And and their and also I gather that their rate of vaccinating has been a lot lower yep. um, because of their different approach to this. Uh, whereas you know we now seem to have fully embraced the fact that you know get it and get on with it. It yes. seems to be the unofficial motto of of the government. That, that, that's the point. It's, it's completely different strategies. Hmm. Um, and so yeah, right right now there's a better than evens probability. That, that things should return to normal um, in, in in the spring, and I have I, that the article that is behind that that says that Omicron is likely to be the last variant of concern is is there is on the article in the on on the website, and I I would encourage you to drill further into that. It is okay. fascinating reading. So there's a link to that within the article that you've written, which we've linked to that you can see right now in our uh, episode uh, description. Uh, so. Yeah, so, so things are changing, aren't they? Um, the uh, period of, of isolation has been reduced. So from, uh, I believe it, it was from this week, wasn't it? That, yep. that it's down to, potentially down to five days and you could be out on the 6th if the 5th and the 6th day you test negative. That's right. Um, you, you, te- you test on the evening of the 5th day and then the morning of the 6th of the, the, the day, provided those two tests are clear. Hmm. then you're clear of isolation. Now, also, just before we went to broadcast today, there have been new announcements as well from the government. Um, not, they're not trying to distract anyone from anything else that's going on, of course. Uh, but they've uh, they, they've been new announcements. So, so just quickly run us through those, because some st- restrictions are changing again next week, aren't they? Yes. So, so, so basically, the, we, we, we're dropping Plan B and we're coming back to Plan A um, in a phased way. So with immediate effect... The advice about working from home has changed. With immediate effect, um, wearing masks in secondary schools is, is no longer required. And other restrictions, such as wearing masks in um, enclosed spaces and needing, um, ne- needing a, a, a COVID passport to be able to attend um, live at large, large events, um, all of those will change next week. Yes, yeah, so that's on... Th- Thursday the 27th of January I believe that, that that those final ones are changing yes um certainly you know listeners will be able to find elsewhere but the exact detail of that but uh, but yes the further restrictions are, are are coming in so um yeah I mean it, it does seem like this finally you're talking about COVID and there's a hint of optimism in your voice absolutely absolutely I think um it, you know, 
a few days ago, a few weeks, certainly a week ago, we were still very deep in, COVID, in, in the Omicron mm. variant. But the speed with which we're coming out of it is absolutely incredible. Um, this, this spike effect rather than the, the, long, the long curve. Um, and so it's great to end a, a podcast on COVID um, with some good news. Hi, I'm Chris Aikman. Join me, local author Howard Linsky, and St Albans podcast producer Sam Rolfe for the St Albans Film Guide. Each week, one of us will guide you through the new releases at the cinema and on streaming services. We'll also give you our choice of the best films to watch on UK free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. So if you're a film lover, join us for a chat about all things movie-related every week as part of the St Albans podcast. New episodes will be released every Friday morning, for more information, visit sullivanspodcast.com or find us where any good podcasts are found. Another news story now from Laura and Matt from the Hearts Advertiser. Right, well, I hate to dig this one up, but the it's the local plan again. Oh. I know, it's been a while since we talked about local plan, which, as we always say, is the planning blueprint for the future development of St. Albans up to 2036. Okay. And this is the thing that we don't have, that, that we're supposed to have had, and we're supposed to have had it years ago, and yep. it's, it's still raging on. And yep. Yeah, was, the government said, didn't they, that all authorities should have a local plan by 2023. Yeah, so it's pretty soon now, it being 2022. Well, they've had a few years to do it. So mm. when do you think St Albans is going to get theirs at the earliest? After 2023? Yes, two years after. Wow. Autumn 2025. But Matt, just about the whole time I've known you and the whole time you've been, you've been reporting on local news, you've been talking about the local plan. So this, is, this hasn't snuck up on us, has it? No, no, it's been like, you know, it has been decades in the making. A bit like one of those big films. You know. <laughs> like Avatar 2, yeah? yeah. <laughs> In fact, it's probably raged on for about as long as Avatar yeah, 2. Has, actually, mm. yeah. Are they still making that? Yeah, I believe it's coming out next year. Oh, right. Yeah, 2023. in the first one, to be quite honest. I don't know. Anyway, so a bit like Avatar 2. Um, I forgot how the local plan started. It was all back in the mists of history when people were in black and white. Mm. And obviously all this messing about is costing the taxpayer ultimately, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, because um, developers are basically... Um, challenging decisions planning decisions and winning uh, at appeal so they can basically if they're told they can't stick a load of houses somewhere by the council they can then uh, go up to a plan inspector and say well there's no local plan in place we can you know and, and most times they get approval it's a farce isn't it so so any any basically any developer can do just about anything they want in St Albans and they know that that if or when it gets rejected they'll win it on appeal because we don't have the plan in place yeah and that's the thing that would back up the rejection in the first place and conservative group leader councillor Mary Maynard she had something to say about it didn't she Matt yes she did what did she say (laughs) she said she accused the Lib Dems of dragging their heels and delivering little in the two years they've been in power Right, except this has raged on for many years before they were in power. That's so. right. They had their, the Tories had a plan in place, but then the Lib Dems did actually kick that one out. Yeah, but but also you've been talking about this and the delays before the Lib Dems came oh, to power. Yeah, so yeah. that's pretty rich of them just to, to, to the Tories just to give the Lib Dems a kicking because they didn't get it sorted either. No, no. Councillor Chris White, leader of the local council, he said that he's going to um, recruit three new planners. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, just to work on the plan. Three new planners just to work on the plan. Mm, planet, local planners. Okay, well, yeah. I, well, if, if that makes it happen... Well, it's then going to cost a bit. About £180,000 they're going to spend. 
at a time when we're, you know, But it is going to, quote, further improve their capacity to deliver in a timely fashion. So that's good. I hope so. Do you feel reassured? No. <laughs> so the thing that's due to due for next year is now not going to happen till at least autumn 2025. Mm. And we're employing three people with, that salaries might cost a small fortune to make this happen. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That's the latest. Yeah. Brilliant. Happy days. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, I, no, no political party comes out comes out smelling well in that one, do they? Because you know it's all well and good that I say the Tories giving the current lot a kick in, but they didn't sort it out themselves either. No, because the thing is, nobody wants to um, earmark um, areas for development on their doorstep. So the Tories didn't want anything around Harpenden because that's where they're strongest. The Lib Dems don't want anything near the St Albans city centre because that's where they're strongest. Mm. So no, no one can really agree on anything. No. Okay, well, undoubtedly, this will rage on and on and on and until at least the autumn of 2025, as it stands. If then. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we'll have more on that probably from Matt's predecessor in the future. Um, no, the no pre- successor. Successor, that's it. It's the other way, isn't it? Yeah. Predecessor would be... He's the, retired. The, I can't imagine he's still alive. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll have more from uh, Laura and Matt a bit later on this week's podcast. We're back with Bellinger and we're talking sleep. <laughs> we're talking sleep indeed, Smith. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> so, so have you ever noticed the ducks in, in the park at Verulamium? They they sleep with one eye open. I've never seen that before. Okay. It's, it's, it's a fascinating effect. They're, they're completely asleep, but one eye is open. Um, and that's because they're monitoring the environment and, and watching out for danger. Um looking out for if something coming to eat them and so on so the brain is is working with the eye to to do that but they are still asleep now recent research shows that our brains work in a a very similar way um that um, whereas the the ducks their strategy is to use sight um our, our strategy is to use our ears so our brain is working during our sleep um the brain is actually in a standby mode continually processing information and if it assesses any danger then it's quite likely that it could wake you up so let's just think about this for a minute the sleeping brain really faces quite a difficult balancing act so to protect sleep it has to suppress harmless sounds like your partner turning in late or the sound of raindrops dropping on a roof for example um, but it has to really wake up um, if it if it senses something potentially dangerous, uh, if it senses a dangerous noise. So if there are unfamiliar sounds while we're sleeping, the brain will generate two different types of responses. Um, these are referred to as either micro-arousals, where the brain is effectively saying, I'm a bit suspicious about this, but I'm not going to wake you up. Or K-complexes, where the brain is actually saying, Hey, there's something bad here. If it's if this goes on, then I'm definitely going to wake you up. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I like the sound of a micro arousal while I'm asleep. But anyway, Andy, um, so uh, well, at me- least I, it, I don't it, like the term. Anyway, it's, it's a medical term. Yeah, yeah all right. <laughs> it's not being personal. Uh, okay, so so is this a bit like? Um, uh, I remember a friend of mine moved into a place very near a train line. And a particular freight train went by at like three every morning. And he said for the first week, it like woke him up nearly every night. And then suddenly it just didn't wake him up anymore. Yeah. And he said, oh, it must have got quieter. I said, I don't think it did. <laughs> and it's exactly that. Because the, the brain, brain now knows that the, that's not a noise to wake tra- you. It trains itself to understand that that's a noise, but it's not a, a, a dangerous noise. And that, 
And that also explains why, uh, if you go into a new hotel room, for example, yeah, um, the brain's more suspicious then because everything around it's new and different. And, and so the brain's very mm. alert, and you might not get the sort of sleep that you'd normally so get. So it's anywhere, really, then, when you're sleeping in, a, in an environment that is not familiar to you, your your brain is going to be that much more alert, and so perhaps your sleep quality might be impacted slightly. That's right. Okay. But then the brain learns. Yeah. And, and, and therefore, by the second and third nights, um, it's, it's much less disturbed. I, I just thought that was all fascinating, it was absolutely fascinating. And so, again, there is a really interesting article that I've linked to in, in the... Um, the article that goes with this this podcast and mm. uh, I encourage you to, to have a look at it if you'd like to know more about what the brain's doing while you're asleep okay well thank you for that Alan uh, yes so uh, the, the different things that Alan's mentioned uh, on this show uh, you can find more information uh, in an article that he's put together with links for, for deeper dives if you want to read more about some of the topics that he's talked about and uh, the link to the article is in the description of this podcast episode right now and it's also on our website stalbanspodcast.com uh, Alan thank you very much and we'll catch you again next month thank, thank you very much I look forward to that I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week, I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is, you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's one-to-one with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. One more news story now from the Hearts Advertiser dynamic duo of Laura and Matt. Yeah, this one is pretty shocking, actually. We've got um, a St Albans police officer has been racially abused and assaulted 15 times in a year between 2019 and 2020. 15 occasions he's been um, you know, abused for his ethnicity, which they don't. we don't know which what ethnicity it he is no the police have been a bit cagey about the details i um, guess to protect their identity actually we don't even know it's a he to be fair no but so um, th- they have been most um racially i mean that's so over over the course of uh, well a, a year i suppose or maybe a bit longer but but between 2019 and 2020 15 times yeah but you can see that why they you know you can see the circumstances can't you because that you know people will attack the police anyway and if, if there's a, another way of sort of digging the the knife in as it were they'll pick on it but isn't that uh, i mean i just i assume that you know being sort of verbally abusive to a police officer must be an offense in some way or other anyway to further do that because of the person's race does that not just pile on what that it does person yeah it, be? it escalates it substantially and you could go to prison for it right whereas, you know Otherwise, you'd probably just get a slap in the wrist. So the police wanted us to put this story out, basically, so they they know, you know, they're saying to people, obviously, this is not okay, um, and we will take action against anyone who thinks it's okay, that they work really hard on the front line, as do loads of other, you know, front line workers, and they don't expect to put up with that. A lot of the emergency services deal with the same sort of 
problems you know uh, in um a and e for example there's a, a lot of racially motivated abuse but it just you know i i don't I, there's no excuse for it at all um and i don't understand why this is still happening in today's society but you know it, it is we're, we're sometimes not as evolved as we think we are no no which is terribly sad uh, I, I mean i hope that the police prosecute fully anything like that and i hope the police officers feel like their own organization is supporting them in this sort of thing that that you know that that it's taken very seriously i know it's the police telling us this which would give the impression that they they are taking it seriously but i hope Mm -hmm. it's more than just issuing a press release i hope that the the victims who you know because what why would they do that why would they put their their lives on the line Mm -hmm. the the pay's not worth what the abuse they get and 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 why would they just you know continually put themselves through that do you know what i also wonder and it's obviously not touched on here is how is whether these these officers face institutional racism within the organization because there's been a lot of talk about that within the police force especially the met and we've done stories as well with hearts peace where there's been accusations of racism involved in you know the way they've apprehended people and such like but you know it I hope that the police are ensuring that, you know, all officers within their ranks are protected from any sort of abuse by their colleagues. If, if they were here now, if there was a representative from, from the police force here now, I would be asking them how many of these incidents did they prosecute? How many mm. did they push through to conviction? How <clears> many, you know, because I'd like to hear them say, oh, all of them, 100 percent. And and if it's less than that, I feel like they're, they are failing their own officers. Mm. Yeah, and, and and it could be that releasing a, a press release to the local media is a way of ticking a box to say, oh no, we are tackling it. You know, we're not institutionally racist because look, we put out a press release. Mm. But I hope they're doing more than that. Yeah, I think we should. I ask did a um, course once, a taught course in London to uh, for a charity to um, black, mainly black men. It wasn't specifically for black men, but it was it, the program that we were doing was for mentoring young men in prison. And I, um, d- the charity asked me to do the training and it was in Croydon. And I remember ju- I was the only white person in the room. I felt really awkward, like it felt really hostile and mm. really, and it, they, it wasn't that, it wasn't that I wasn't comfortable with a room full of black men it was just that I didn't feel really kind of qualified to be there I felt like their life experience and their experience with like inner city stuff having been grown up in Croydon as a black man or mixed man I felt I sort of they were quite off with me and I can kind of see why yeah, do you know what yeah, i mean because they mean. thought oh who's this silly white woman coming yeah. in and being all middle you know to give you a powerpoint mm. like what do you know about it and the reality is i did know a lot of stuff about it and i tried to win them over but i found it quite upsetting do you do you sort of feel defensive of your race almost that like you you know that you i think do you know what more of being the, a woman yeah, yeah, than being really. white mm. yeah yeah, I mean, like I was fully, I had a conversation actually with the de- with the chief executive of the charity about this recently. Um, it's a long time ago now, but she, because I said, oh, I'm really sorry about that. And she said, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. You weren't in an inept, that you weren't doing, mm. you know, you weren't not knowledgeable on it. 
it's like when you're in the classroom if you go into a classroom and you don't know what you're talking about like for example i don't know anything about geography and i'm teaching from the textbook and i'm accidentally call, you know calling an earthquake a volcano or whatever you expect then the kids to think oh my god what have we got here you know mm. and to be upset with you but mm. i don't know that's a kind of side tangent but not really no because you can be racist obviously mainly it's against a minority group but the minority isn't necessarily always going to be white no british no so i mean i i i do i worry for um that you know those in our community now who might also have been victims of racial abuse who might feel that they've not been supported adequately in the past i'm sure there might be some who would say that um uh, you know th- this th- i hope that perhaps this this press release from the police hasn't kind of like opened up a can of worms here but but uh, i would really like to think that if they are taking this seriously they are taking it seriously both with the community and with their own um staff who are also victims of of, of these sorts of things and it would it would be fascinating to find out you know how many of these things are seen through to conviction yeah. you know i think um, we'll ask them i'm sure they are yeah we can mm. ask them i think part of the problem with the police is like every service is that they're like journalists like we're all just so stretched at the moment mm. everybody's so uh, yeah, thinly but, but, but spread. that's but that's irrelevant because if they're um if they're talking about <clears throat> you know we will not tolerate racist abuse uh, against our own officers it would be good if they could back that up by saying but it's not the t- their decision at the end of that it's cps so no, the uh, but they, they might be able to say that they've yeah. put everything forward yeah. you know yeah. maybe maybe yes because obviously part of that process is out of their hands but it'd be nice to think that at the very least they've done all that they could to support my understanding of it is that, that uh, not not of the race issue but generally is that quite often when somebody gets arrested they are committing quite a number of offenses you know i've heard police officers called effing C's, be spat at, be sworn at. And quite often they're only charged with the most serious crime that they've done. So with drug traffic, you know, if yeah, they're a drug yeah. trafficker and they call someone an, an effing B or whatever, you know, that's not likely to go down to, 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 to be they're likely to recorded do them, anywhere. They're likely to do them for the larger crime than yeah, the smaller one. Yeah, okay. and, and you know, I feel but, like but, they just, it's a bit almost like teaching. You kind of have to take, you don't have to, I'm not saying that you have to, but it's sort of expected that you will take a little bit of, um, not racial abuse, but a little bit of stick, you know, because mm. of the nature of the people that you're working with. Okay, but but we're talking here specifically about racial abuse against police officers. And, 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 and I, you know, my question simply was just that I hope that the force itself takes it as seriously as they're saying that they do and i hope that that. the police officers feel supported by their own force in that because because you know they've got a hard job you know and 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 it's all well and good that they're saying this is this is outrageous but are they doing Mm. you know are, are they putting their money where their mouth is on this one was was i guess the thing but thank you for bringing it to our attention and you know it's an interesting some interesting viewpoints that came out there as well so thank you for that and that draws to a close another edition of the St Albans podcast uh, for this week so thank you to uh, Laura Bill and Matt Adams uh, from the Hearts Advertiser if you want to find out more about the Hearts Advertiser they have a website where you can find all their stories it's heartsad.co.uk and the print edition comes out on Thursdays also thank you to Alan Bellinger our very own health correspondent and um, the various points that Alan raised you can find uh, a link to an article that he's written about those points with more information and that uh, link is in the description of this episode right now Uh, that's uh, in the description and also on our website at stalbanspodcast.com 
So uh, coming up on the St. Albans podcast later in the week, we've got the film guide with uh, me and Howard Linsky this week. Uh, that's coming out on Friday. A uh, Sunday, it's the Dangham Street Baptist Church virtual service with Simon Carver. And on Monday, it's another one-to-one with Elspeth Jackman. Find out more on our website, stalbanspodcast.com, or on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we are at St. Albans Podcast. We'll catch you again real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to this edition of the St. Albans Podcast with Danny Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or a podcast platform of your choice. This will help us reach more listeners. Join us, the St. Albans Podcast, next Wednesday for more news, views and reviews. In the meantime, commit no nuisance. Produced by Samantha Rolfe. Logo and artwork by David Ellis. This is an independent production in association with the Hearts Advertiser. If you would like to become a community partner or a sponsor of the podcast, please visit stalbanspodcast.com for more details.